Hello and welcome to the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am joined by Mark Fangmeyer. And uh, let's see. Well, Rodrigo Sanchez Teoria is going to join us in a bit. He's uh, he, We were in a meeting together uh, on Zoom, and then he had another meeting, and then he's going to come to this. So by the time he gets to this podcast, he's going to be a little... Uh, little tanked. Um, but we are also missing Corey Shreppel. He got a call up to the national team with uh, the Daily today. He did his uh, first mixing on uh, Michael Barbaro's Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Which I've been trying to get him to sub in Kermit going Hmm. Or Yoda going Hmm. Hearing Michael Barbaro stuff. But anyway, go listen to The Daily this week because you'll get to hear Corey Shreppel's name dropped by Michael Barbaro. Um, and in his place, uh, you know, t- subbing in uh, wh- while we're missing the the star striker uh, at the national team, we've got Alex Schieferdecker. Hey, man. Hey, brought, thanks for uh, putting me in, coach. <laughs> brought you out of retirement to cover for uh, to cover for that young starlet, Corey Shreppel. You know, I think actually I, I want Corey to uh, address, you know, at the beginning of the daily, right? Right. This, the way um, what's it, Michael Barbaro has like a pause mm-hmm. between, uh, you know, I'm Mike, I don't know, Michael Barbaro. He just pauses a lot. I, I wonder mm-hmm. if they're like uh, as an industry standard or like an in-house style guide, you know, there must be a three second pause in between actually what i wondered is 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 some of that just do they always use the same segment of and here's what you need to to know today there's always a pause yeah. there too and it always like i swear to god it's clockwork it is to you could there's like the atomic second or whatever that that things get <laughs> calibrated to you could calibrate the atomic second or atomic time to the space there and i feel like they're just taking that bit and they paste it in every time they don't make him re-record and here's what you need to know today um, we need Corey to answer this question we're about gonna get him fired. style guide of radio ticks <laughs> um michael's gonna listen to this podcast and be like uh your 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 buddies on that podcast were uh, making fun of me and uh anyway so um we've got alex he's not gonna listen to us <laughs> he li- michael Bobaro listens to this a lot he, he loves he he's really into um thomas chacon uh, as, as yeah, I, could, I could see that. Actually. Best friends with uh, yeah. Eric Miller's uh, yeah. mom. <laughs> okay, um, let's move on to the actual podcast. I we have like three things to talk about, so we'll just talk about those for seven seventy five minutes. Um, we are going to. We've got a bunch of questions uh, for the mailbag uh, that we're doing. We've got a little bit of Minnesota United news, but uh, just just hitting up the headlines. Jordan Morris. He made his he made his final move to to Europe uh, to Swansea on loan. He and uh, Paul Ariola were going on like a, a, a vision quest uh, post college backpacking trip, and um, man, the dude did, did his ACL uh, uh, in like his second game. What a bummer for him to kind of have to come back, uh, and you know, and and also miss bummer for Seattle fans, etc. It's it's kind of a I like Jordan oh, Morris. It's, it's so sucks for him too, because like if you just kind of go through the scenarios for how he would ever have that opportunity again, there really aren't any. Like, I feel so bad for the guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am. I was slated to go to um, France after college, and uh, I had a Fulbright to go teach English, 
And um, I did a, uh, a, a like post college. I graduated in like six semesters because I had no money, and I, I like went. I was like, all right, I'm gonna use that money. I'm gonna go to uh, to Europe, and I did a backpacking trip. And I came home, and I was dead broke. Had to take a job, and then had to like give up the Fulbright because I was just that much in debt and broke. So I feel you, Jordan. Uh, I could have could have been living a different life too. Uh, married was, uh... to Emily. Like a Camisa brag? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, that exactly exactly what that is. Oh yeah, let me talk about the the Fulbright I didn't take. All right, I suck. I get it. Um, speaking of uh, <laughs> having his dreams dash, uh, Thierry Henry left Club de Foot de Montreal. Um, he basically his family's in London, and he has not been able to see his family really at all. Uh, because of the pandemic and he just kind of quit his job and was like i need to go see my family which stinks for montreal stinks for him but it's kind of also good for him that he can actually finally see the people he loves yeah it's a tough spot too i mean i mean especially being a canadian manager in that even if he moved his family to montreal the majority of last season they were he was in the states anyways because they couldn't really play there and like yeah again just a lot of tough. They could have lived. They could have lived in uh, in Western Massachusetts. Just hung out. I mean, it's not it's not a European city like Montreal is. Worcester is is a very uh, up and coming European city. <laughs> um, uh, continuing the the bummers around uh, MLS. This entire section, there's no good news. Yeah, we're really bringing yeah. really bringing the mood up, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Just, actually, every single one of our headlines for non Minnesota United news is just bad. Yep. Uh, Sacramento, <clears throat> their uh, their MLS hopes of being the thirtieth team are uh, are imperiled uh, with the lead investor kind of uh, saying that the pandemic uh, hurt his billions of dollars and now he can't he's not interested in MLS so he pulled out as did the apparently the purchase of Michael Jackson's former ranch that was the most uh, interesting he's part got of money yeah. for that but not Wait, what I mean. Yeah, in the um, athletic article about this, they just casually kind of dropped that he like recently paid like twenty two or twenty three million dollars for the Neverland Ranch this year. Hmm. Just hmm. a strange dude, clearly. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, for for years, I was helping uh, Evan Ream work on his book about Sacramento, so I feel very invested in that team. And I, the second I saw the news, I texted him. I was like, "Dude, you." Uh, what do you know about this? And he had he had just heard, you know, from yeah. So uh, I'm I'm very curious to hear the background. He he is on uh, Extra Time Radio talking about it, and so I, I did not get to that part of the uh, the podcast this week. I only heard the part where they shouted out Rodrigo and Shakonista. So that's <laughs> no, enough. In that athletic article, I mean, it just I don't know. Yeah, you know, I know I know the athletic is just reporting, obviously, but but there's some really irritating spin from MLS um, and, and just sort of reaction, I guess, behind the scenes reactions from MLS, you know, there's MLS basically saying that it's a, it's a net positive because now they can move. They built, they felt obligated to, to go to Sacramento and, and, and now they can uh, focus on a, a higher tier of city. And it's just, it's 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 really irritating for for two reasons. One, because the tiers of cities that they're talking about. I mean, no offense to Phoenix or Tampa Bay or Detroit, but do they really move the needle 
more than Sacramento, maybe a little bit, but do they in like a, in, a, in an absolute sense, you know, is, is being in Detroit or being in Phoenix or being in Tampa Bay essential to the visibility of MLS? Of course not. And, no. and none of, none of the, Sacramento the for, has, has the best case in terms of fandom. Right. The case for Sacramento all along has been that they in USL have been steadily drawing, you know, 10,000 people. They've had, they've built up a very good soccer culture and it's a little bit, it does feel like MLS is a little bit high on its own supply in the fact that like, I I liken it to this sort of mess in Charlotte with the, the season ticket prices. And it's, it just seems like they have forgotten a little bit the importance of having, you know, that sort of fan base, that sort of group of supporters and diehards who will uh, provide, you know, that that energy in the stadium and that grassroots support for the club. Yeah, they forgot that um, Portland saved them. So right. That, you know, so, well, yeah. I think that the success of Atlanta, the fact that Atlanta was able to sort of pull it out of thin air, and to some extent, you know, Nashville has had that same effect. Um, I think not, not to quite to the same scale, but, you know, they, they seem to be pretty pretty decently supported you know i think that that's convinced mls that they they have you know that they figured out the sort of synthetic formula for this and i'm not sure they have you know i I don't know what to the extent that there was actually a great deal of support from miami that's yet to really be tested um and the charlotte so far has been a a complete fiasco Mm -hmm. Um, charlotte and i just well inter miami has not been great but who knows but New York City FC has been, you know, yes, I'm I'm feeling right. you on this. You need to, the MLS needs to remember, you know, I think that the, the model for MLS, it's true. Yes, they do. You know, they they have needed to get into sort of some bigger cities to, to expand their television footprint and everything. I, I get the business side of that. But for every one of those clubs they add in, I you know, Cincinnati doesn't make sense as a, expanding the footprint for TV situation, but they went there because the support was incredible. And that's the lesson that they, they, I wish they would continue to learn and try to make Sacramento work. It would be a real bummer to lose Sacramento. Um, let's move on to Seth Yan, who is the former captain of the para seven aside uh, national team. Uh, he was expelled from the athletes council this week after uh, the, the U S soccer was meeting to, um, discuss and then vote on rescinding the, um, the the penalties that they had put in place for any players who knelt uh, or did any sort of protest during the national anthem. And he was the one who spoke up uh, against uh, repealing that. And uh, he, he is a veteran and he uh, gave this, um, uh, I don't, I don't want to put a light of, I was going to make a joke about, it, but he just gave like a seven minute screed about, how the United States is the only country that uh, abolished slavery and that, um, you know, just lots of like the the weird... He he threw out a whole lot of like white supremacist talking points. Yeah, I mean, it was basically just like taking taking a a little like racist turd in your hand, in in your hand and just like throwing against the wall. But it, it was like chock full of like all the greatest hits, you know? Um, the, of, of all the kind of Newsmax, Fox News BS. So it, it was very weird. But, you know, the thing is, like, p- 
people have known for years that he was a racist. I knew he was a racist, even, you know, um, because of people I had talked to. And, it, you know, there, it's kind of, kind of weird that years ago on Twitter, there were things like saying, calling Islam a religion of, of slavery and murder. Uh, and that was there like in 2017. It's been four years, guys. He was reelected uh, recently. Um, to to be on that athlete council and yeah um, and and disappointed too with that it was also the initial response from uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation president Cindy Parlo Cone, where originally she said, "Well, part of our DEI kind of initiative is that we need to um, hear both sides," and so she kind of both sides it, and then she's like, "Step back!" It's like, "Well, I didn't actually, I stepped away. I did, I couldn't hear what he's saying, but yeah, it was just a terrible response." And then. I mean, at least the Athletes Council met quickly yeah, to expel was, him. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm going to your original point. Like, when's when are we going to hear more about, like, how he was elected? How, like, an outspoken, you know, white supremacist was elected to the Athletes Council to begin with? Well, I, and I, who in the Executive I, Council or anywhere else was supporting him? Like, I... I will admit oh. that I don't know too much about the politics of the Athletes Council. I do not follow the elections at all. I don't even know how they're elected. Or who well, that, to that's vote. how. That's how right there. No one was paying attention. Right. I mean, well, it's not. And, and those who knew him uh, just kind of, you know, I rolled it the way, the way that lots of people do for their kind of like racist buddies who are like, he's a nice dude. He just has some weird, crazy conservative opinions, right? And uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's shocking, but like the coach, his coach knew about it. He was still captain of the team. Like he was he was saying these things to other players and and around the locker room, and yeah, and it, it's it's kind of crazy, but also completely predictable. And I, I think it is nice that the athlete council voted quickly, but it's time that people like that had were held accountable quicker. Right, that that people like that aren't allowed to be in those positions of power sooner, and that we actually hold people um, have scrutiny over what they say. You don't have to. You don't have to say everything <laughs> agree on everything politely and nicely. But if you're calling people, uh, if, if you're saying things like that, or have believed that entire religions are evil, then you don't have place in any leadership anywhere. So, I don't know. It's 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 very frustrating, obviously. And on that note, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll uh, we'll we'll scrub the racism uh, from our gills and uh, and go into Minnesota United news. Back on the 55-1 podcast, and let's talk about some Minnesota United news. On Friday at 6 p.m., Minnesota United did a, a Friday night news drop uh, of their new kit, which is the River Kit. Uh, also From the land of sky blue waters. The land of sky blue waters. Um, there was a... That's the ham song, by the way. Um, there was a, a, a time um, when... They really, a, a guy named Ben Futzenreuter really tried to make that song work for uh, Minnesota. It was uh, 
um, comes the loons united. We're the loons united. But the problem is the um, the the beat and the pacing. It's like a it's a song that slows down. It's it's it was really hard to make work. But anyway, they released the blue kit, which is kind of a light blue. Um, it's a pretty plain kit. It was extremely underwhelming uh, in pictures. And then uh, our man uh, Corey Shreppel kind of brought it by when went over to the to the stadium and bought it and brought it by the bar while I was bartending. And um, it looks uh, it looks nice. It's a decent kit. You know. Yeah, I like it. And I, I just appreciate the fact that, like, it's, what, 2021? And now we are officially back to having our kit identity of what we had in 2015. So I'm Ancestral actually, colors. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I actually, I think it looks even better once you have the full kit, not just the jersey, but, like, the full blue all the way down to the shorts and the socks as well. I think it looks really, I think it looks good. Yeah, I, I like it, too, for that reason. I, you know... It has been, it's been a while since we had like the colors that the team was originally intended to play in. And, um, but I'm almost, I'm, I'm actually more excited for this. I, I, I think the, uh, the original Inaria um, wing kit is probably undefeated is, is the best kit in Loon's history. But it, it, you know, the, the original blue kit that we had was, was not great because it, it it just was a little bit pale, and then it it was terrible when people started sweating. Um, it really made it obvious. Just don't sweat. Yeah, you could, yeah, you could see the the players uh, and and their like sweat marks. Um, and it was just sort of weird for that reason. And I and I hope that this one will be a little different. And this one is a little bit um, is is a, I think a little bit brighter, a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit sharper. It's the, not original, quite as pale the original blue the original was actually blue the um, Tar Heels blue because um, it was a, a common fabric um, that <clears> was easily available, so they they could do that. Um, I this loved bit, that. This is a more yeah. interesting blue, I think. I know you have that kit. I know you own that one. <laughs> no, and Alec, I, I completely agree with you. Just because if you look at um, the blue that's in the um, team crest, it's almost more of like a teal blue. It's not like a. It's not a sky blue. It's more. It's a little bit more teal. Yeah, it's got and, sort of an electricity and, to it. It pops a little this bit more. And this kit is much closer to that color mm-hmm. than what the previous NASL kit was. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I think, I think it will look great on on, on TV. I, I, and you know, it's a secondary kit. It's the alternate kit. It does not. Yeah, it really doesn't need to be particularly special to me. I'm, I'm quite fine with having. A, fa- a sort of a fancy, iconic primary, and then a secondary, which is just like that's this is our our secondary color, and it looks good. It's not a, a Hanes white T-shirt, and that's all there is to it. Um, Dano Souter asks, says, "I like the River Kit a lot, but what is our base color? Gray, black, blue? What's the dominant color of our home identity, and why does it seem to change so often?" Um, it, and says, "I'd love it to be blue instead of gray." When we entered the league, the league basically like looked around and was like, you guys have a gray. No one else has gray. Um, I think they literally told the team. They didn't tell them your your color is gray, but they said you should like lean into that gray thing. And gray is our main color. We are. Well, and they're right because A, it is unique. But also after 2013, when we played in black, we have had a dark gray or a light gray. Yeah. Uh, as our primary color. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I like, I personally like it. I, I, I think, I think to me, the, the, you know, one of the reasons, for instance, that I like the, I love the Inari kit, and I think a, a good detail that they replicated with the current primary is that they they added this blue color, this sort of same blue color that we have in the alternate, as the color, or as the um, numbers, the color for the numbers and the and the tape and stuff, um, and it really pops in a nice way. Um, I love that about the original Inari. I like that about the current uh, the current primary. Um, you know, I, I think with the the gray, it can. You know, there there the, there are ways you could fail with it. I mean, I I thought the um, the stripes, the initial stripes, was okay, but I you know I think that we've now reached a really good point in our in our uh, in our uniforms. Um. Yeah, I want to move to basically today was start of uh, preseason. Well, not officially. It was. The, the week before of when everyone has to show up. And so a lot of players showed up today. Um, Mark, can you, uh, can you run down kind of the, the, the basics of who, who was there? What, what, what's the news? Yeah. I mean, the big news was that um, Patrick Wea uh, has officially been announced as the um, team's next um, homegrown player. Has he been announced or did it just make the newspapers? I mean, because it, it has maybe just, it hasn't been announced. If you go on their website, he's listed as a player. What is what an announcement? I was gonna say, you know, like I don't know if they screwed this up, but like there's a Star Tribune article about it that saying that he's there. Um, I mean, he's been practicing in Minnesota for the last week. <laughs> um, I it's been like three weeks from now they'll yeah I don't know like, so so yeah so but. But give us the the Patrick Way news, sorry. But yeah, so anyways, he's uh, coming back and he will be our um, second homegrown player, which is exciting. We actually have some youth, and so far, um, none of our homegrown players have seen a single minute. So we'll see if what happens. Yeah, I mean, um, he's more likely because he's he's older than Fred Emmings, and, right? Uh, but, and well, he also like a year though. He, I, that's yeah, what I never understood. Like he's seventeen, but he was like spent the last year at college, so. I didn't do that when I was 17 or 16, did not go to college. So, um, but yeah, no, he signed and um, he's from all things, all everything. I don't know a whole lot about the Academy, but as far as prospects go that like might've gotten away, he was kind of one of them in the whole shake of the Academy and they were able to sign him, which is a good thing for us. So yeah, I think the, the, the great news about it is um, first of all, it's great to have a way in there. He He's the, the nephew of George Weah, um, who's the, the, the famous uh, Liberian player and, and um, now the president of Liberia. Is he still the president? I think he is. Um, yeah, I think so. But uh, he, yeah, we thought he was going to get away when the um, academy broke up and then they went and got him after, after a little bit of college. And um, he also is, he's a great story because he came as a, as a um, immigrant, you know, to the Twin Cities because of the existing Liberian immigrant population. And um, the only the only downside of it is we got to talk about hashtag Petgate, which is um, on the Minnesota United page. It has um, it has like a little questionnaire, which is like a really stupid questionnaire, like um, cake or pie. And his answer is both cats or dogs. And he said neither, which is pure 
sociopathic behavior. I mean, maybe he's a big aquarium guy. He has a, he has, maybe he has like a saltwater aquarium that he's really into. And, you know, those you have to be – even if you have a big one, you can only have like five saltwater fish even in a big tank because they need their space. And so, like, you can get pretty attached to your fish. So maybe that's his thing. What do you, what's the best answer that is not cats and dogs that you can give? Like a, something sort of exotic. Uh, oh, don't be don't be reptiles. Like a, like a ferret? No, a, no. Creepy. I'm I'm thinking I'm I'm still thinking mammals, but but if you go on Instagram, you can follow some like a, what if he was like a what Instagram he, famous raccoons or Instagram famous possums? What if he owned a squirrel? An maybe maybe really? a squirrel. Like squirrels are cute. Maybe he has a baby squirrel at home. It's small. They're not as cuddly. What about a what about a tortoise? That's fine, but that's not really what I want from a striker. No, 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 definitely. <laughs> yeah, too not. slow. Way too slow. I mean, if that's his personality, I don't want it. If yeah. you're a defender, <laughs> no, no, yeah, Michael Boxall is allowed okay. to have a tortoise. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, anyway, we're not sure if Patrick Way's career is going to launch uh, uh, under this dark cloud. Um, what, what else? What else happened from uh, from first day of unofficial training? There was just some like general kind of info that came out. Um, Andy Grader from Pender Press uh, basically said that um, now I know his name's Justin McMaster, but I like to call him Justin MC Master. Okay. So uh, at MC Master, MC Master is, Flash, uh, um, not joining the team for preseason. Um, because part of the um, deal with uh, the Super Draft this year is that because um, the NCA season was canceled last year, that Super Draft uh, draftees can remain with their college teams. And he is currently rehabbing a knee injury. And so uh, Wake Forest, where he is um, currently enrolled or was enrolled, uh, they are starting a seven-game schedule uh, for the spring. So he is going to stick with Wake Forest and train with Wake Forest, and then he'll be joining uh, Minnesota later in April. Oh, great! So That's that good was yeah. news. We, talked, um, a, we yeah. talked about Alec Farrell on the um, Remember Some Guys uh, anniversary podcast, but pretty bold for Minnesota to go back to Wake Forest and pick a guy with a knee injury <laughs> after their first first guy with that description that they drafted just like turned out to not have a knee at all. And never played a minute of professional soccer. Did you get I mean, Alec Farrell when when uh, Jeff Reuter put up his um, quiz, his Sporkle quiz on on players? Did you get Alec Farrell, Alex? I don't think so. I oh. don't think I did. I got Alex Cap. You know the the one I, goalkeeper. I got Alex Cap. Goalkeeper. I forgot. Oh shit! I just forgot him again. Who was it? <laughs> who was who was after Bobby Shuttleworth? Before Tyler Middle, Miller? Pat McLean. Vito. Vito Manone. There was another guy in there. Pat oh, McCoy. are you talking about um, what's his name? Like the humanitarian guy? Yeah, Matt Lampson. Yeah. Matt Lampson. Cool. Matt, Matt Lampson was the one guy I forgot. There we go. I just did it again. Um, <laughs> fullback Sean Sorry, O'Hearn. Keep, keep going with the news. <laughs> Sean O'Hearn was with the team. Uh yes, he trained with the team on Monday. Um, and then uh, our new center back who. How do you, I still don't know how to pronounce his Kibin name. Gucci, Kibin Gucci, Kibin Gucci, Kibin Gucci. <laughs> That's how you know it. Kibin Gucci uh, is not ex- not with the team uh, yet, but will be there soon. And um, in other news, um, it was reported uh, tonight, actually, that James Musa will be returning to Phoenix Rising, is no longer going to be with the Loons. 
for this season. And um, the, the big news as far as our roster building goes is that the Loons have an undisclosed attacker to be announced soon who is not considered to be a headliner and is guaranteed to underwhelm. Okay, so let me. Go, there's a question here from uh, Matt Axelson. He he says uh, his question is who would be the most whelming signing the the loons could make at striker. Uh, Quincy Ameriqua. Okay, I'm going Abu Dunladi. Oh, um, Abu. No, there'd be at least a little intrigue there. Yeah, um, yeah. That would, would there really? Uh. Yeah, yeah. So I would be a little bit more interesting than just like some dude. I mean, maybe you, I mean, we yeah. could sign Schoenf- <laughs> We could sign Schoenfeld again. No, he's off to Austin. We already <laughs> lost him. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on then to to the watches. We already did w- the end of Wea watch. Uh, where are we at with uh, our other watches, Mark? Oh man, uh, in the last two weeks since the last time we uh, recorded. We always joked about um, Bore. Is it Bore Watch? Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. I don't actually. Yeah. Yeah, Bore. Santos Bore. He is a 25 year old, plays for uh, River Plate. Uh, he's arguably the best striker in South America. Um, for months now, in all of Matt Doyle's uh, kind of like long form pieces where he goes through every single team and what they need. He's always said that Minnesota United just needs to go uh, and throw a bunch of cash down and sign this guy. And lo and behold, on uh, last week, an Argentine radio station reported that um, there were three MLS clubs interested in signing him, uh, New York City FC, Toronto, and Minnesota, um, in addition to uh, Palmeiras in Brazil. Wouldn't it be awesome if Adrian Heath got his tip from Matt Doyle, from the realtors at MLSsoccer.com. It would be so amazing if he's like, oh, you guys, uh, I saw on the MLS.com that um, this guy might be good. What do you think about him, Mark? Um, sure. I, I would I, love to go to Argentina is his response because. I've got my mistress. Yes, he, he, I, I need to go visit her. Yeah, he probably needs some. I mean, I don't know if he's using his uh, freaking flyer miles for anything right now. It's a tough time to travel and to use points, but maybe he's just. Looking to bank some, he's gonna to to take a big vacation later this year. So Same maybe up. he's like all on board. But um, but yeah, so it's um and of course there's a bunch of so basically how it is is um his contract is up in June at the end of the season. Uh right now, uh River own fifty percent of his uh rights. Uh I don't know who owns the other twenty five percent, I assume his youth club. And then Atletico Madrid owns 25% as well. And so um, apparently River is trying really hard to re-sign him basically because they don't want to let his contract expire and let him go for free. Um, They already have a deal with Atletico Madrid to um, pay them uh, 3.5 million euro for his uh, 25% uh, pass. But... um, yeah, but then so basically, like they're trying really hard to resign him. Uh, it was reported what last weekend ish that uh, Palmeiras actually offered him a five year, fourteen point seven million dollar deal if he would remain with River through June and then just leave on a free transfer for them. For them, 
They let and apparently, I guess apparent, maybe they could sign him on a pre-contract. I guess. Yeah, and um, he uh, rejected that. Basically, he's um, very thankful to uh, the staff and the coach at River, um, kind of giving him a second chance after he kind of flamed out a bit over in La Liga. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, as far as the MLS stuff goes, I mean, it's, this is a pipe dream for Minnesota. I don't see Minnesota signing the best striker in South America. We are not Atlanta, and I don't see it, but we can dream. So- and... Um, but the other clubs I, after him are New York, Toronto, Palmeiras, and us. It, it, right. You know, and nice, and nice to be Toronto mentioned. has his discovery rights, you know, the um, discovery rights BS that is MLS. Um, so there's that. The only interesting thing about Toronto holding his discovery rights is that coming up this season is going to be the new under-22 initiative where um, so long as you have – uh, one DP spot that goes to a young player or a player who is at a level that's eligible for a TAM buy-down, then you're allowed to have three under-22 spots that you can basically spend as much as you want on their transfer fee or their loan fee so long as their actual salary comes below the league max before you hit the DP level, which is like thousand dollars but if right now Toronto already has uh, two of those D- older DP spots filled, so if they sign him, then all of a sudden they're going to be forfeiting uh, two of the under-22 initiative spots where they could just bring in anybody on limited transfer funds. So there's actually a pretty good amount of like negative uh, repercussions to them signing him and basically Toronto being an old team, if you will. So we'll see what happens. It's it's a pipe dream for Minnesota, but it's a fun one. Any news on uh, who I hate knew? MLS roster rules? <laughs> oh, man. It's yeah, so dumb. Um, who knew watch, which is uh, Adrian Who knew, the Stad Renan, uh, Stad Ren uh, striker. Um, who, no, who, sorry, who was getting a Fulbright to study and teach in France? <laughs> <laughs> I think I maybe know why he didn't take it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, so he is still continuing to not really play for them. He, uh, uh, last weekend on Friday, he uh, was a 79th minute sub, didn't score. Um, they uh, lost to Nice, uh, 2 1. And um, since I think it was two weeks ago when we last recorded about this, they have dropped from uh, fifth place in the tables to ninth. So uh, basically uh, in uh, League One, the top four spots get spots either in the Champions League or in Europa. And one of the reasons why they weren't too eager to trade to sell him to Minnesota was because they were kind of pushing for one of those spots, but now they've kind of dropped out. I mean, they're not totally out. There's still some time left, but like they've, you know, dropping from being one spot out from a Europa League spot to being five spots out. So we'll see what happens. Why is Dwyer Watch on this list? Because we have no strikers. Uh, our coach loves him, apparently. And he still has not signed with New England, so he's still a threat to join us. 
I guess yeah, we do need to we do need to pre- prepare to be watched. Um, any anything else? Five dollar uh, hams, tall boy watch. Oh, I was really see. That's the shame. If only they could have done the release of the hams kit. You know that beautiful sky blue water kit with bringing in Sasha the hams bear hanging out with PK Loon having five dollar hams tall but it would have been too perfect but you know COVID times just ruin everything and they just ruin ruin dreams and I I feel like that's probably the reason why five dollar hams tall boy watches still continuing. Excellent. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back and we've got a bunch of questions, including. This is a, it's going to be some infrastructure week time. All right, 55.1 podcast, we've got question time. And uh, Schaefer Decker's on the podcast, which means, um, Schief, you are a, uh, a city planner as they say, an urban planner. Um, and uh, people have questions for you. Steve Lindley, who is um, one of our Patreon supporters, uh, is constantly asking. <laughs> the, the man dreams of a uh, of doing a, of a podcast where I only ask you about uh, infrastructure and um, urban planning. And so he wants to know, is it better to spend funds on um, bus rapid transit routes or a small number of light rail routes. Ma- so it's oh. ma- many BRT routes or a few light rail routes. Yeah. It's a little bit of, of a false choice because any specific corridor has like a, a, a mode of transit that best suits it. So there are going to be corridors that have the density that supports something of the level of light rail. But I think for like a certainly like a small city, they should build more BRT routes first and then focus on light rail later. Um, and so what about in the ca- case of uh, of St. Paul? Let's say the, the A-line goes down all the way up well, Snelling. And- yeah, that, that route can't justify light rail. It doesn't have the ridership. It doesn't have the, the density, the activity. Um, but but the the green line, I mean, the central corridor is a, is a great example of a route which does have that kind of intensity of activity, mm-hmm. so it can support light rail. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, the Twin Cities are a big city, and they have the funds to pursue sort of both strategies at once. Um, but you know, if you're a city like um, <laughs> if you're a city like Des Moines or something, you know, maybe you get tempted to have one light rail route. It's definitely better for you to have a, just a bunch of faster buses. Well, we are um, we are now interrupting this this podcast with Rodrigo Sanchez Chavaria, uh, fresh off of his thirteenth Zoom meeting in a row, here to join us again. Are you there, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm just uh, yeah, thirteenth Zoom meeting, really emotionally draining weekend. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just, it's, I'm hoping that, um, the weather makes us all happier and give us endorphins or at all someone just going to drink Pisco for the rest of the week. And, and hopefully that'll work. <laughs> Call into a, a Pisco cave. It's always important to have a plan B. 
Um, well, um, Steve Lindley also wants to ask this question, which is a good question. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask two of them from one person. What is everyone's dream trivia category? The category they dominate from start to finish with no hesitation. I created a, a trivia, um, a, a sort of like a trivia night set of questions. Um, and I had an image round that I thought would be manageable for people in which I, I took um, the like iconic subway maps from cities and removed all the labels mm-hmm. and then, you know, said, guess the city. And it turns out people don't look at subway maps very often. It's a really good uh, idea, uh, at least. Uh-oh. Nobody, nobody really uh, got very far. So, I feel like uh, I could probably only do New York and London. Yeah, I, I had like I, Washington D.C. I thought people would get that. One's pretty famous, Chicago, but uh, Chicago's pretty famous. People didn't get that Chicago one here. So, you know, I would only get London, and that was about it. I yeah. had London on there. Yeah. Um, I I don't have any. I'm I'm. What really terrible no, at trivia? Um, because I. You know, anyone who's spoken to me or listened to this podcast knows that my brain is aphasic. And um, you, you could ask me like, oh, hey, why don't we do a trivia, which is like, name all of your friends. And I'm like, the guy with blonde hair who's really tall, who I went to college with. Can't name it. No. What about like a spelling bee trivia, right? Mm, I'm just... not that great at that. I'm not very good at anything other than talking. Actually, I'm not good at talking. No, oh my no, God. I'm not good at much, no, guys. Yeah. If there was a if there was a round of uh, LCD sound system vinyl releases, oh I would god. be really really good at that. Oh my god! I just I, fell I have an obsession with their records, and I just had too much <laughs> of them. And I can like I can like someone can hold up and be like, oh yes, I can tell you the exact like year release everything about that one. Here's here's the one thing I can do. The one magic trick I can do. You can play a song that came out. F- between 1991 and 2010, like just like if a random uh, Green Day song comes on, or even more obscure than that, um, I I will be like, oh yeah, that that came out um, summer of 1994. Dude, so true. you're like you're like the live version of Shazam? Is that what you are? Or like what yeah, is that? App? Kind of, but I I maybe maybe can't tell you. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at that too. So I, I'll yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, for me it would be um, any '80s uh, anime trivia because that's what I grew up with. So if anyone has any trivia questions regarding uh, '80s anime, that's probably that's that's where I would I would triumph. All right, back to infrastructure. Cristiano, also one of our Patreon supporters, uh, says if you had a magic wand to make a north-south Greenway-style bike route that went into downtown Minneapolis, was car-free. Or bus only, what would it be? Well, I think there's an obvious answer, but before I share that obvious answer, uh, on Tuesday night and Thursday night, there are open houses for the Hennepin Avenue reconstruction, and uh, people in South Minneapolis should attend those and uh, make sure that the resulting design has bus and bike lanes. Okay, the real answer is 35, 35W for sure. Uh, if you could just get cars off of that and then just bikes all the way, that would be very fun. Yeah, you know that interstate that they just widened. Let's get those yeah, cars yeah. off of it. Well, this when um, where I grew up, there there used to be a um, on Sundays in the 
summer they would close the Bronx River Parkway. Um, and it was really fun to ride on. So I highly recommend if someone ever closes the highway near you, take your bike and ride on it. Uh, All right, let's go protest on the highways. And then that way, Alex, <laughs> yeah, ride his bike. Say, we can yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that. We can make that happen. Yeah, and make sure the state patrol doesn't uh, doesn't come after you. Yeah. Um, uh, Christian Fitchett also wants to know, he says, what's happening in the world of city planning, public transit these days that you find uh, exciting or interesting? Okay, I tried to come up with an answer for this that was short and also wouldn't bore people to death. I think there's a lot of excitement about what Christian uh, um, uh, Secretary uh, Buttigieg might do. Did you almost call him Christian Pulisic? I think I almost called him Christian Ramirez, but I really have no (laughs) idea what I was about to say. Um, No, I I just, there's like, there's been this terrible bipartisan consensus with regard to infrastructure in this country. Um, which is basically revolved around spending tons of money, regardless of whether it's a good idea or not. And I think that there's some sense that Buttigieg might come in there and make a lot of changes. There's certainly a lot of changes that could be made, and he's the kind of person who might be have a fresh enough perspective and might be ambitious enough um, to try to change the status quo over there. So I think people are excited about that, but it's maybe more projecting than reality at this point. Um, Sean Goman wants to know the best soccer match you've ever seen in person or on screen. Wow. Okay. My favorite soccer memory is, uh, it was 1995. We were back in Peru and, um, my dad, um, bought me tickets and we went to watch a Copa Libertadores match on the Estadio Nacional in Lima. And um, I think this is one of the first times that me and my dad has actually gone into a stadium together. So we were sitting there and um, my team, Sporting Cristal, was was playing against uh, Bolivar. And against Bolivar. And then uh, Bica, a Brazilian player, broke down the right wing and crossed the ball that turned out to be a shot because it was curving in and literally scored the goal like on the side that we were sitting on. And I jumped up to celebrate, but right halfway through my jump, I turned around to look at my dad to see if there was a, a, a nod of approval, if I could do that or not. And then he just looked at me and laughed and I just went out crazy. <laughs> and, and, and it was one of those was like, oh yeah, it's okay to, to enjoy soccer, specifically when your dad doesn't cheer for the team that you are watching. So. Mark? I think mine would be um, 1994 World Cup. Like this is, I didn't, we didn't have cable or anything. So this is like the kind of the first time I was able to like watch world soccer, like a, the highest levels of soccer. Like we, I never had like any sort of like, I, I always, pl- I played soccer, you know, growing up through elementary school and all that, uh, through elementary school. But I never actually got to watch soccer. And the, the 94 World Cup was like the first time where it was like it was in the U.S. I remember every time the U.S. played, I had my VHS tape like recording every single one. And I just remember then uh, when they upset Columbia and they were wearing their like denim star jerseys and it was glorious. And like I, I must have rewatched that match like 20, 30 times just over and over again on our little, you know, on our tape recorder. VHS thing and it was it was great 
Uh, until I later learned that the guy that did the own goal got shot when he got off the plane in Columbia. But um, <laughs> oh. there, so that was a little bit of a downer. But like, yeah, no, that was that was kind of like what kind of got me in. Like, I was like, oh, that's how soccer is supposed to be played. But after like watching that World Cup and like I prior to that, I was just like all youth soccer that I'd only been kind of around. I don't know if I have a good answer for best game. Um, I've watched a lot of great games and just completely forget them. I'll just say that the the best is uh, first leg against Tampa Bay Rowdies um, uh, in the 2012 uh, finals of the NASL. And uh, batshit crazy. Um, goal gets scored. We all go make a pile on top of the players. Chief, do you have a, do you have a good best soccer game? I've been trying to sort of separate great games from great moments because yeah, I think the I mean the Landon Donovan goal against Algeria yeah, but it was a terrible definitely game, right? the, yeah, it was an awful game. Yeah. I mean the the U.S. was shut out by was being shut out by Rice and Boley. You know, <laughs> I mean it was brutal. Um, <laughs> but that moment was just I mean I you know once in a while I'll still watch that that video and and get goosebumps. Um, I, I have to say, I, I like in MLS. I there was a um, Montreal Toronto series a couple of years ago in the playoffs that was absolutely brutal. Uh, uh, Toronto came back to win it, and that was fantastic to watch. And then the um, the El Trafico when Zlatan came mm, in, yes, and the game in like thirty minutes went from LAFC fans olaying the Galaxy. To Zlatan like single-handedly winning that game, that was incredible. Yeah, and, and then the other games that I think of were not so much close as they were just sort of so stunning. Uh, I think of the Dutch win against uh, the against Spain in the World Cup mm-hmm. when it was just like, wait a minute, you know, they can do that. Like this is like Spain, you know, and they're getting crushed just five-one, uh, and then obviously the the ultimate version of that was the the um, uh, Germany seven one over Brazil. Yeah, I mean that was that was a game that just it just didn't. It was really over and a half. Oh, it, Eric, it just didn't really seem real. You know, um, yeah. it was so shocking. How many how many goals David Luiz led in that game? Three. <laughs> and Julio Cesar, who like you know MLS. If you remember, he had been in Toronto to start right. uh, to prepare, and MLS was like so proud of you know Julio Cesar, like MLS goalkeeper, you know potentially winning the World Cup, <laughs> and then very quickly all that hype, all that, uh, yeah. all that. Uh, I forgot that attention yeah, if, just yeah. disappeared. Gonna, like oh, I'm gonna add never, never heard this guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna add one more, and that, and that was just. Um, Beating Bus Lagos on a U nine girls scrimmage, I, I beat I beat Bus Lagos' team. That was probably my my highlight as a, as a coach forever. Just rub it in his face every time you see him. Last question: Fallon Moore wants to know how the Starbucks Via News rocked the fifty five one offices. This was my admission today that I drink Starbucks Via instant coffee. You want, oh, okay. welcome. you want to take me on? That was the news? That, the news yes. was that you do that? Yes. Okay. You know what? I, I used to. Uh, yeah. When I was mm-hmm. in the Peace Corps, mm-hmm. that was like uh, basically that. And you know, like the little, like, I don't know if you remember the um, Gatorade used to have like these little like powder things you could mm-hmm. add to water that were like, I forget what they were called. Kool-Aid, but yeah. Um, every care package, like, every letter that like, uh, like Lindsay or my parents or anybody would send to me, they would just tape 
the via packets and those Gatorade packets in them because it was stuff that I could make the, um, you know, and I'm living in a village with no electricity and no running water. And all the water that we do have is uh, room temperature, which is about 90-ish degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the one thing that you could mix with it and make it taste better. And like I actually drank Via every morning. Like I had a special mug where you could unscrew the bottom and it had little like slits that you could put the little Via packets in and like wrap your whole mug around it and had like for decorations. And it was um, it was nice. Hmm. There we go. We just call it Nescafe in my house. That's what we do. Nope. Nescafe is garbage. Vias <laughs> actually taste like coffee. <laughs> well, oh, my God. You, you love Nescafe, Mark? I, I can't hear you. It seems that you do. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you. Like, the worst thing about going to Europe is when you're, like, go down to, like, the, like, continental breakfast. Though, that is you, uh, not even a continental breakfast. And the only coffee they have is Nescafe. And you're, like... Come on, guys! Don't make me take. Don't make me drink tea. I do not want to have to drink this leafy brown water Mark, as a way to get away from oh, this awful, on, awful coffee. Where are you in Europe that you would get your coffee at the continental? At the, the at yeah, the, that's what I want to know. Uh, no, when I was in Brussels, like not at the, like, the coffee cafe. We stayed at like, Aloft in Brussels, and the coffee had like like you know like the f- new fancy Nescafe machines that you can just make go like, to a cafe. There's like we literally, did, I, it's like. A cafe and then, uh, like, a bakery and then a cafe and a bakery. It's just that's how Europe works everywhere. Right. That's I know, but I'm an Amer- I'm an American. I need coffee as soon as I wake up. Right, fair enough. Fair and enough. I do. I the if if I have to walk more Listen, than a half block to find it, it's just not. Listeners appropriate. are now like, uh, I could use some more BRT conversation. All right, come <laughs> right, So, uh, <laughs> we've reached the end. Of this really stupid <laughs> podcast and uh, very l- stupid. listeners, very stupid. you win an award for sticking with us. I don't know why you do it uh, every week, uh, but thank you. We'll, um, I've, I've got some stuff I'm going to try to line up for next week, and then uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Hopefully, uh, we'll eventually start weekly podcasts again, but yeah. you know. And hey, maybe in two weeks we'll have a, a striker and or someone don't, else don't, that can don't attack. Don't say mean things Wait, but, about. But, but don't we have Wea though? Isn't he a striker? Yeah, well, we've got Foster the People. Foster Langdorf. Right, but where where has more more goals scored so far, at least this season? In what? (laughs) College ball. He scored a goal. It's true. Foster Langdorf has not scored in college. All right, right, kids. It's been fun. Thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.